0: Joining us for this afternoon's session, I am delighted to introduce Aaron Cohn, Kunle Ediemi, Rashid Ali and Driss Uadahi who will be discussing some of the socio-political, cultural and urban conditions that underpin design and collaborative practice. Aaron is the founding director of the Museum of African Design in Johannesburg, design curator of the upcoming Arca Fair in Paris, an advisory board member of Flux Fair in New York. The Museum of African Design presents exhibitions and educational programs collaborating with partner institutions around the world and supports scholarship on African design. Kunle is the founding director of NLE, an architecture, design and urbanism practice focusing on developing cities and communities. Its most notable work includes the Makoko Floating School, part of the extensive project African Water Cities. Rashid is an architect, urbanist, and educator, and in 2011 founded the London-based Reba chartered architecture and design studio, Rashid Ali Architects. The collaborative research studio focuses on the development of ideas that respond to emerging social, economic, environmental, and cultural patterns that are relevant to architecture and the city as a whole. Driss is an artist based in Dusseldorf in Germany. Solo exhibitions of his have been shown in San Francisco, Lisbon, and Dubai, among many others. In 2014, he received the Leopold Sadar Senegal Grand Prix at the Dakar Biennale, and his work was featured in the 54th Venice Biennale in 2011. So thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Um, Thank you, Koyo, for getting this this panel together. I've learned a lot just in researching the speakers today, and I just want to explain the format before we jump into this. Uh, I'm going to allow everyone to talk a little about their practice, so that we're all on the same page about who we are, Um, and then uh, we'll have a little, well, quite a long discussion. Hopefully, getting into some of the topics which we've been discussing all week about design and. Uh, I think where we left off in the last panel was an interesting chat about social navigation as design, not necessarily looking at design as a chair or ergonomics or, or something we can point at. But in the African context, in a lot of places, design is also just about living your every day to day life, communicating and, and navigating the places where we come from. Um, and just to quickly. Point out this word that we've used for the panel: anti-disciplinarity. Um, uh, the MIT Media Lab has taken what we know as multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary and said that everyone that works in in these sort of undefined gray areas of the academy um, are working on. A sum of a bunch of disciplines, but something entirely new. The word defies definition. But what it means to someone or something uh, when it doesn't fit within traditional academic discipline, anti-disciplinarity is is a field in its own particular words, frameworks, and methods. And you'll see the projects that uh, these three artists, architects, uh, social practitioners are working in really delve into this idea of design thinking and and research from places that we wouldn't normally think of a designer going to. So um, I'd like to start with Kunle Adhiyani, who uh, has just flown in from Lagos. And, and then we'll go from there. Thanks.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, My uh, practice uh, is uh, based on um, it's really focused on architecture design and urbanism but um, specifically for uh, looking into development in uh, cities and communities uh, uh, in the southern hemisphere but we have also begun expanding those ideas uh, beyond these regions. Uh, I'd like to make a point about the focus being social and environmental consciousness. Um, we work through these uh, four fields of operation, architecture, urbanism, research, and uh, the arts. And uh, with, uh, in those fields we have executed a number of projects and several still in the pipeline. Um, and quite a few projects in the background, um, some of the works that I had done in my previous uh, practice OMA. Um, I think a very important part of our work focuses on the notion or on the aim to sort of to create conditions that enable us to uh, think differently, to uh, build differently and hopefully uh, to live uh, differently. In uh, trying to uh, execute this or, or um, understand or, and unpack the complexities that we sometimes engage in the projects that we now work in, in tackling uh, the issues of development, we, um, in 2014 teaching at Cornell, I uh, developed this um, Let's say it's a methodology of actually analyzing uh, projects, not basic, not based on the conventional, architectural design uh, tenets. So it's the acronym is DECIMA, which really means uh, these seven um, issues that uh, actually affect development. So it's not just about design, but design is really a tool to orchestrate and to uh, think about these issues. Um, and these Uh, Issues actually can be summarized into two of the most important challenges of our time. Um, Urbanization, uh, which of course has both challenges and also um, opportunities. And uh, the second being climate change. Um, We have, of course, we have all all kinds of uh, data about the um, existence of cities, And what's interesting is that actually a large fraction of the uh, largest capitals are by water. Uh, And more specifically, even on the African continent, uh, nearly 70% of them are by water. Uh, And with the impact of climate change, we're beginning to see that there's a necessity to think about the points of intersection of these two issues. Um, Africa is said to be the least responsible for climate change. Uh, but it's actually one of the most affected by it. And um, the most kind of obvious uh, impact that we see besides uh, is, uh, you know, is uh, flooding. Um, And we, at the same time, we are already seeing people um, uh, adapting and being very resilient. And uh, this is really the point where our office uh, is very interested in how and what everyday people do to um, the resourcefulness and ingenuity. Um, In 2011 we launched a project called the African Water Cities which uh, where we identified 20 top, top 20 African cities that are both growing rapidly but also threatened by climate change. Um, One of the uh, first projects to Uh, intervene in that condition with a physical structure is uh, the Makoko Floating School, which is a prototype uh, in in Lagos. Um, The uh, second iteration um, is the MFS2 in Venice, which was just recently launched, Um, and it's an improvement on the first one, which is now, the the MFS2 is completely um, uh, prefabricated and it could be mass-produced. Um, so it's work in progress, you know, it's innovation. We const- constantly make improvements and we're already working on MFS3. Uh, um, in the same line of thinking is a radio station, Chikoko Radio, that, we're, uh, d- that we designed in Port Harcourt, which is a station, a, a, a building that straddles sort of an amphibious building between land and water. Um, and the same kind of ideas are taken Uh, learning from the context of environment and and looking at natural resources there uh, to a a project in Chicago called Rock um, at the waterfront which is really essentially a building that is composed of uh, rocks found uh, uh, on the site. Um, If you, I think if you uh, have a few more, there's a few more days of project at the Serpentine Summer House. It's going to be uh, t- taken away, I think, in about a week. So if you haven't seen it, it's a, there's an opportunity to uh, see this project. It's, a, it's an installation called the Summer House. And for us, we it was an interpretation of an old building, the Queen Caroline's Temple. And what we did was simply to learn from it and create a um, an inverted... A contemporary image uh, version of it on the on the same side. Um, so it's a it's a space for relaxing, uh, for shade, uh, and also uh, for for gathering. Uh, we're on the arts front, we're also quite involved in uh, a number of exhibitions. Uh, this is a making Africa exhibition now at the Kunsthal in Rotterdam. And uh, finally, at the urban scale, uh, I think all of these ideas of research, design, uh, urbanism and arts come together in a vision uh, or several visions of how we imagine the future cities in in Africa that both tackle the issues of urbanisation and climate change. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Kunle. Um, Next, Rashida.
3: Thank you, Erin. I was kind of, I'm gonna go straight into the images of um, some projects and images that kind of encapsulate or inform some of the things that we're engaged in. Um, but I was thinking about this notion of, of anti-disciplinary. You know, what does it mean and, and what, it's, what is its relationship to, uh, to Africa? But I think fundamentally, um, I mean, I, myself or my practice, we engaged in three different areas, which is uh, practice, pedagogy and, and, and research. And they all feed one another in some ways. They really cannot exist in one another. So, you know, sometimes you invest more energy in one area, but also the others are are kind of equally important. So, um, in terms of the research itself, kind of initiated research, that's very much to do with the cities, transformation of cities, uh, the political, social, and economic, and cultural dimensions uh, of cities. Uh, For quite some time, I was editing a journal on, on, on the transformation of cities, and in particular to do with cities in the global south, and then at some point I thought, well, you know, You know, I'm an African, I was born in Somalia, and I just thought, well, why don't I begin to kind of, kind of, actually, first and foremost, learn about how these cities have developed over time. So Somalia, essentially, it's not a place that you, most people would associate with modernist symbols, uh, but this is the National Theatre in Mogadishu, built in 1967, I think, which is a really incredible building in terms of its design, in terms of its kind of, the way it responds to the context and the way people sort of use it and, and kind of uh, inhabit the building itself. Uh, so I was kind of incredibly amazed that there are you know these types of modernist typologies across the whole continent, across the whole continent, but they're barely sort of documented. So that's a really important kind of uh, strategy in terms of research and how that could inform practice itself. And then also there's the whole idea of what do you do with all these kind of ideas and knowledge that you accumulate through the research. So this was an installation for the London Festival of Architecture and it was very much about, you know, I gathered kind of thousands of images from you know different parts of the world uh, about Mogadishu or the Italian colonial project uh, in Somalia and in Eritrea. And I was thinking, how do you sort of, you know, how do you disseminate these ideas? And I, I really like this idea of, um, of a chance encounter, you know, instead of handing it in a kind of a back gallery context, this idea of people just encountering it in the common public space. So essentially this is a piece of uh, installation. It's a piece of sculpture in a really amazing public building uh, in London, one of the iconic sort of modernist buildings in London. And it became a sort of a gateway to the gallery. um, And essentially, you know, if you were reasonably curious, you investigated and you went inside the structure with sound and image and films, uh, of all this kind of documentation and all these ideas about Mogadishu's transformation. Uh, and of course, how does that begin to, you begin to think, how does that begin to inform kind of practice? Um, and this is the project of a school that we, we we designed in Somalia. I mean, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a courtyard house when I was really uh, small. So Mogadishu used to be this kind of compact, Arab-style city made out of sort of uh, Kind of little courtyards, squares, alleyways, and so on. And you know, they they've sit those typologies developed over time to respond to the to the climate and the context. And of course, there are lots of buildings going up across the continent now, and they are often clad with air conditioning systems because uh, people are not responding with design strategies that deal with the context and with the environment. Um, interestingly, uh, Kunde showed a project, I think, for the for uh, for a kiosk on 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 the lake Uh, this was a competition uh, a year or so ago i think so we responded with a proposal here which was this light permeable structure to gaze at the lake and the skyline but also to gaze within so it's gazing at different uh different scales and it was kind of prefabricated and so on but you know this is again accumulation of knowledge and it's a useful tool and some of these ideas feed other projects in time sometimes they don't Um, uh, I mean I'm engaged in, in teaching a lot uh, I've been you know teaching is very important and I've been doing it for the last 10 years this is a structure that we've been designing with our students it's going to be actually in, in Somalia in a city called Hargeisa uh, and in some ways you know the tragedy of kind of uh, researching on Africa and you know the kind of urban context in Africa when we work in London in the West is that it's always it becomes a bit complicated to Kind of share it with the people, the context that you're looking at. So finally we worked out a way of, of, of taking these ideas there which is actually about skills kind of development. Uh, the project is really a collaboration with local people, with local students, with local academics. So it looks at this idea of the transformation of African cities, it's a, it's a platform for discussing these ideas, the local, the regional, the global and it's built uh, locally with between all these people that are collaborating on it. So, and, and also, I'm very much interested in the idea of um, of a school of architecture, of making, of building, if you like. And this is an example of a project that I built with my students in 2009 uh, for a local kind of a you know disadvantaged community, a kindergarten. And it's the best kind of education money can buy: hands-on experience. And that's a really important tool uh, for me. Uh, of course, I'm working in London, so. I'm working on lots of residential projects. So, and also, you know, this idea of working in three different disciplines or three different areas that feed one another means that there's no uh, kind of economic incentive just to do projects because you need to do them. So we're always looking at ways of doing something really interesting, uh, you know, kind of creating uh, you know, really interesting uh, design moments within spaces that people live in. Uh, I mean, in some ways, this is a piece of sculpture, but also it's a functional uh, space, it's a stairs. That connects the three floors of a house in 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 london Uh, again i was really honored to work with 154 for the last couple of years uh, and we've done some really striking little installations and always i like this idea of a contrast a context and making striking little moments that are also sensitive uh, to the context at the same time and also invite people into the spaces this final image, I'm working with an, with an artist in, in, a, uh, in a gallery in Kansas. The artist is actually shown here. Um, and again, this idea of collaborating uh, with artists, with friends of mine, uh, and trying to sort of materialize uh, spatially their ideas into into an experience, uh, into an art piece essentially, is also a really important tool. Uh, but as you can see, it's within an existing piece of architecture. Sort of, so the context plays uh, a role. There's the experience and the symbolism of the work itself and where it came from, uh, but also how does it respond to the context, but also how do people kind of experience uh, as this kind of sequential uh, experience of, of, of looking at the, the art. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
4: Euh, Bonjour, je suis vraiment heureux d'être invité aujourd'hui à parler un peu de mon travail. Euh, Je vous remercie d'être autant dans la salle. (laughs) J'ai une traductrice, parce que malheureusement mon anglais n'est pas terrible,
5: Good afternoon everybody, I'm very happy to have been invited here today to talk about my work. Thank you for being so many of you in the audience today, I have an interpreter here because my English is not great.
4: Pour ne pas trop m'attarder sur ma biographie, uh, très rapidement, je dis, bon, je, m'appelle Wadaï, je suis artiste peintre, je, je suis originaire d'Algérie. Je suis né au Maroc et actuellement je vis en Allemagne I
5: don't want to linger too long on my biography. I'm a painter. I was born in, Al- uh, sorry, I was born in Morocco of Algerian parents and I now live in Germany.
4: Alors, comme on le sait, l'Afrique ne se trouve pas seulement dans le continent africain. L'Afrique, elle est est omniprésente partout dans le monde, elle est universelle, tant bien par sa culture que par ses ses individus qui qui habitent dans le monde entier. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
5: you. Um, Africa is something that's not just on the continent of Africa. It is omnipresent everywhere in the world, not just because of its culture, but also because of the people.
4: Um, ces dernières années, j'ai travaillé, j'ai peint des, des HLM, the. Uh, OK, uh, OK. Mm. Oui, je ce ah, oui. Mm. Des, des habitations... <laughs> des blocs de HLM, des grands, les grands ensembles, quand comme, comme on les connaît dans les dans les banlieues de, des grandes métropoles d'Europe, et actuellement aussi, même malheureusement, on les retrouve massivement en Afrique, surtout dans les pays, enfin dans les, en, or, en, en Algérie, au Maroc.
5: housing um, which are the, the great uh, housing complexes on the edges of metropolitan cities in Europe, and unfortunately, very much in Africa also now, especially in Algeria and Morocco.
4: Donc, les éléments architecturaux qui composent mes peintures sont euh, des espaces de jeu, des parkings, euh, des, des lots de ruelles. Donc tout ce qu'on trouve, toutes les structures. Euh, archi- des éléments architecturaux qu'on trou- qu'on retrouve dans, c- dans ces ces euh, euh, espaces urbains et qui composent euh, qu'on retrouve dans mes peintures ce ne sont pas des espaces privilégiés comme on, comme on, on, on connaît bon, dans les banlieues
5: mm-hmm. okay. um, of my ar- my architecture are connected with uh, playing, playful areas, parking spaces, and small alleyways. Um, these are found in all urban spaces and in the paintings. And these are not by any means um, privileged neighborhoods.
4: Um, comme uh, diront peut-être say, if the si les murs pouvaient ah, architectures. Euh, renferment des strates de culture des mémoires elles sont elles ont beaucoup à raconter donc euh, elles sont très denses et c'est pour ça que ma peinture s'exprime dans un dans une dans, dans une atmosphère très dense aussi la densité et d'ailleurs euh, il m'est arrivé de penser à dans la cité et densité qui est en lien étroit avec euh, avec la densité qu'on retrouve dans la peinture
5: Mm-hmm. Um, as our grandparents might have said if walls could talk architecture would have many memories and many layers of memory um, there's they have much to say so my painting very much uh, refers to this density they're very dense and the sense, there's a pun here on dense city dense city
4: they have a très <laughs> narrative <laughs> <laughs> Et elle nous dévoile aussi euh, la mesure dans laquelle les habitants euh, habitent dans ces euh, maisons. Donc, -hmm. on peut voir un petit peu en en premier plan, on peut voir la structure un peu comme une une, une carcasse, en fait, une carcasse d'un immeuble non fini qui nous dévoile le le plafond et le le sol et euh, dans quelle mesure vivent les gens qui y habitent à l'intérieur.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. We um, there's a, an, a narrative dimension in all this. that shows how the inhabitants actually live. You can see how, in the foreground, it's like a carcass or a building that looks unfinished, and it shows. You can sh- see the ceiling and the floor, and show how, shows how people live in it.
4: Um, il est très difficile de parler d'une peinture. Quand il s'agit de de choses très très subtiles, euh, ce ne sont pas des projets qui sont définis à l'avance, c'est un parcours, c'est une expérience d'abord personnelle, visuelle, historique, chargée donc de beaucoup de choses. Euh, Je ne peux vous montrer qu'une variété de peintures où on peut voir des atmosphères, uh, qui vont uh, nous donner un petit peu uh, l'impression, qui vont nous, nous, nous suggérer l'impression et la poésie qui règne dans ces espaces.
5: Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, it's very difficult to talk about painting when there's such a lot of subtlety involved. It's um, not defined before it happens. It's like a journey, a personal, visual and historic journey. There's a lot of things going on in there. Um, what I can show is a, a variety of images to show the atmosphere.
4: Quand je suis arrivé en Allemagne pour étudier à la Kunstakademie Düsseldorf, je venais d'Algérie, je me suis retrouvé dans un contexte très riche, des étudiants en, en, en art qui avaient déjà, euh, je dirais, presque un langage artistique développé dans leur enfance, même, parce qu'ils ont visité les musées avec leurs parents. Donc il a fallu pour moi trouver une, une, une expression qui serait un petit peu... De de identité, culture.
5: Mm-hmm. when I came to Germany from Algeria I found a very rich atmosphere there the art students were very much involved and they had they knew a lot about art because they had been able to visit museums with their parents and I had to find my place
4: there yes I had to
5: find my position in this in this world
4: euh um, j'ai en quelque sorte donné une maison à mon langage artistique cette maison ressemble énormément aux maisons qu'habitent les émigrés dans les banlieues françaises dans les banlieues mm-hmm. même euh, je dirais de toutes les métropoles européennes mm-hmm. qui ont accueilli euh, pendant plusieurs années donc euh, les émigrés
5: mm-hmm. um, in a sense i had to give a home to my artistic language in the places, or like the places where migrants live in the great cities of Europe and in, in France. Um,
4: les, les paysages urbains sont composés de fragments de cités. Donc ils sont euh, ils ne reflètent pas une, 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 un quartier ou une cité bien déterminée, mais sinon euh, un, un assemblage en fait de plusieurs euh, de plusieurs euh, Qui vont cette, uh, ano- cette, ce côté un peu
5: The cityscape is really composed of fragments. They are not particular neighborhoods, but they're rather a, a whole grouping of um, um, a whole grouping of elements which then lead to the intensity of the environment and an and, and anonymity there.
4: à so, um, ce, ces paysages urbains, vont s'associer deux groupes de peintures que je réalise. D'une part, ce sont uh, des passages souterrains, des bouches de métro dans lesquels chaque jour l'Afrique passe au quotidien. Donc, euh, tous les habitants, tous les individus qui habitent dans ces, dans ces lieux vont traverser ces endroits, ces lieux, qui transmettent une sensation de claustrophobie ou d'enfermement et de peur.
1: Mmh.
4: Un peu qui est lié à, aux murs et au sol qui sont pratiquement euh, tapissés de carrelages blanc et qui, euh, qui donnent donc... Euh, I
5: have two types of painting that I do. Here is one which is some, like a, a tiled passageway in the metro. Each day, Africa passes through here. People go through this space and it is um, Something that it is feels confined. It feels claustrophobic, and it even feels scary. It's you can see that the, it's connected with the fact that the, the tiles are there. There's a wall, and so really, there's an, no idea of freedom or escape from this. Um, the
4: second, uh, the second démarche, the second element that also appears also in my work is the grillage des espaces, des espaces euh, de délimitation, des espaces de euh, privilégiés. Donc, euh, ce sont aussi les euh, espaces que l'Afrique, euh, les Africains se confrontent. Donc, c'est la délimitation spatiale qui est signifiée par ces grillages, par ces frontières, qu'on vit malheureusement aujourd'hui euh, assez fréquemment.
5: Um, the second uh, um, element in my in, the, in my work is this idea of fences, of limits, and of the privilege behind those limits. Africans confront this type of thing every single day. This idea of spatial limitation, which unfortunately is very common.
4: So just a little word on an aspect technique of these paintings. the corridor is the subway. Et Le, le, le grillage, ils sont toujours réalisés à l'échelle une, cest 1, c'est-à-dire que le, le spectateur est, est accroché par la dimension réelle de l'œuvre, alors que les paysages urbains, c'est, c'est dans une perspective, c'est um, une distance. Et cette distance... Ah, pardon.
5: Uh, uh. <rire> alors, alors, vous avez dit que... Alors, les...
4: les euh, Les, les, les grillages et les les sababo donc les, les, sabots, les, les mm-hmm. passages souterrains, terrain sont toujours à l'échelle une mm-hmm. C'est-à-dire que la maille de, de, du grillage est toujours environ 5 cm par 5 cm mm-hmm. et um, pour les, les couloirs c'est toujours uh, c'est le carreau qui au premier plan mm-hmm. est toujours à l'échelle une voilà. donc pour avoir une, une, une réelle sensation de de, de, de réalité
5: yeah. um, so the the fencing uh, uh, types of pictures are very much, are, are confined. Yes. One on one. One on one, okay, one on okay. One. all right, okay. Um, or One on one, so... okay, I see, okay. The scale of the picture is very small, and whereas when you have these uh, op- open passageways, then you have you're seeing it far more at a distance.
4: Maintenant, juste un petit mot sur les dernières peintures qui sont euh, plutôt un petit peu euh, oniriques, euh, où euh, les immeubles euh, les apparaissent comme euh, une mémoire, comme une, euh, un rêve. Donc, euh, mm-hmm. il y a une réduction dans la peinture. Donc, à Chaque, chaque euh, peinture évolue, donc euh, j'espère que dans l'avenir, je pourrai aussi euh, apporter des choses tout à fait nouvelles.
3: Voilà.
5: The, my recent paintings, my last paintings, are have a dreamlike uh, quality and uh, they have evolved, as you can see, and perhaps in the future uh, this will lead to new things.
1: Merci. <laughs> can I ask us all to Sorry. Oh, okay. So, we're gonna have to l- let him sit next to one of the transients. Mm. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> um. Thank you to all three of you. I hope it's starting to make sense why this. Panel is up here. <laughs> um, Drist was talking about the limitations of movement, and I think within all of these practices that you've just heard about, um, the limitations within design or within art are are really being pushed in in ways that wouldn't typically uh, be practical um, or profitable. <laughs> Um, I mean, some of the work that was described is research, um, is about discourse, is about pushing the field. And I'm curious, uh, when we talk about these sort of interdisciplinary projects, who are in your networks? I mean, who helps make this happen? Is this something that you can jump out of architecture school where you're learning all this theory and, and visionary ideas for the world? Or how how do you actually come across these different topics uh, and interests? And could I just ask Adam to kill the screen because I think it's in our eyes and we don't need it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Would, would either of you like to start just talking yeah. about your networks and how your sure, work um, manifests itself?
3: I mean, I I worked you know you know for a long time after after school of Architecture I mean the, the kind of interest obviously uh, in in African cities and their historical uh, sort of transformation stems from you know my experience in education um, I mean Africa was never really discussed and the contribution it's made to uh, to architecture so it was a kind of a strategy to kind of fill that gap and to uh, to to learn more but also I think you know I mean there's only a certain amount of Architectural practice in terms of making buildings that, at least in terms of the relationship to when we were in school or what our anticipation was or what we were told being an architect is going to be, there's only small ac- aspects of it that really kind of relates to that in the sense that, you know, maybe 30% is really fun and about design and making great visions and so on. And then there's the other 60 to 70%, which is about battles, you know, to get things. To get things done because at any point you might engage in 10 projects and, and two will get done so for me it, it was very very much about stepping out of that framework and trying to uh, find a space to do uh, to do different things to learn uh, uh, about different ideas and to, to develop different ideas um, but also to to develop the tool so uh, you know teaching itself uh, was a really fantastic way of having time to to think and to develop ideas and also i think in terms of who do you work with i mean i set up this journal um, about cities and it was very much about a tool to collaborate with people to, people that you share ideas with and sometimes it's about writing sometimes it's about actually let's physically make uh, things and it's something that sort of uh, gradually happened over time
1: kunle you you made all the non-architecture headlines this year for taking a project from Lagos to the Venice Biennale and winning a Silver Lion Award, but the city of Lagos never really supported you in that process. How how did you go about building the floating school and what happened? <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect story of how challenging some of these ideas are. Yeah, I mean, like
2: uh, Rashid said, you know, it's, it's battle. So it's all about battles and. Uh, in that sense, architecture is uh, war, <laughs> uh, but you know, nice kind of war, uh, war that you you win some, you lose some. Um, uh, the, the the story of, of the school, of the floating school, is is um, you know has different <coughs> facets. Uh, but I'll, I'll respond to first of all maybe your initial question about the uh, people that we work with, and then. Uh, specifically on the project. I think for, for us it's been a learning curve uh, and realizing that you cannot only focus on the issues of design, traditional things that we're taught in uh, architecture education. And that you, we have to expand our horizon into other disciplines. And that's you know uh, getting advice from people who will tell you about the demographic changes in the world, uh, Economics, very important. Um, I I always say people, traditionally you say in in architecture, form follows function. But uh, lately it seems like form follows finance. Uh, And uh, we're we're, we're learning to respond to to that. Um, We we get advisors from analysts, from financial advisor, uh, um, financial experts at least in the studio I taught at Cornell, we had students, uh, uh, students get advisors um, from artists, from uh, people who study social politics. You know. So all kinds of varied fields. And the reason we do that is because actually working on the Floating School project, I realized very quickly that this was a much more complex issue than design. It was a social issue, it was an economic issue, was an environmental issue uh, which we weren't trained to uh, understand. And we, um, so I basically, and it, I think it boils down to people, it boils down to the people that you deal with and learning from that environment. Um, the government, uh, also a very political issue, by the way. Um, so we, the government started out not, not because they didn't support us. And not because they, you know, they had anything against us, but because we simply were doing something against the grain uh, and something that they weren't familiar with. You know, it's a totally different environment in different territory. Um, But the most important thing is that we actually uh, didn't just talk about it, didn't just produce images, uh, but we actually made it happen. And then we said, well, take a look at it, you know. If you like it, test it, try it, you know. And they did send um, over 50 representatives at different times to come examine the building and uh, they actually, um, the the assessment was positive. So um, last year, the government uh, um, actually published um, a document um, endorsing the school. So there was a shift um, from their position uh, to, of not supporting or not really accepting it as a prototype uh, that could exist in the city to something that they could consider. Um,
1: Driss, you, your paintings are looking at uh, two different worlds. Um, and do you notice a difference between uh, building in a city for refugees and immigrants, and uh, and and what it, what the same sort of similarity, similar situations look like in Africa.
4: Oui, um, j'apprécie beaucoup uh, ce que nos amis ont dit sur leur projet. Et je crois que l'artiste a une démarche un peu un peu ambigu parce que euh, moi ce qui m'a intéressé la réflexion sur le sur les, les constructions euh, collectives telles qu'elles ont été conçues par le corps busier en 1945 m'a beaucoup intéressé les écrits de foucault et énormément euh, donc euh, ceci m'a poussé un peu à, à avoir une approche ou un intérêt à ce genre de construction euh, Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I, ap- I
5: appreciate very much what you've uh, been talking about regarding your projects. I think that um, the the artist is very ambiguous. I'm very interested in um, the in the work of Le Corbusier and the, the, what, what he did in 1945, and also Le Foucault. And um, This has led me to be uh, very interested in this type of context. Two years ago, something happened to me that I can't quite explain.
4: I was born in Casablanca. When euh, um, my parents left Casablanca, I was very young. I had no of city. Il y a deux ans, j'ai euh, décidé avec mon frère de, de découvrir ma ville natale. Et euh, on, on va se rencontrer donc, à Casablanca. On va chercher l'immeuble où on a habité, où on est né. Et euh, la surprise, c'est que on est né dans un, un bâtiment d'habitation collective construit en 1953 par Alexandre Courtois, un architecte qui a fait partie de, du groupe du euh, Lucien. Donc, de, 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 de l'idée de... de, de la construction collective et c'est à partir de là où je me suis dit est-ce que ce n'est pas une réminiscence très lointaine que je ne peux même pas expliqué pour mon choix intellectuel pour ces pour cette pour cette forme d'architecture
5: okay um, what happened was that um, I, I was born in Casablanca and um, I left there when I was very young, so really I had no memory of the city at all. And then two years ago, I decided that it was time to rediscover my native city So with my brother. So we went there, we met there, and we went to find the building in which we were born. And we have discovered that it was built in 1943 by <laughs> Courtois. 53, sorry, 1953 <laughs> by Courtois. Um, so he was part of the Siam group. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, and, yeah. The, uh, and that was part of this... The group of ten, the group of ten, okay, wh- wh- who had this uh, idea of collective construction, yes? Yeah. And so this was something that was very strange for me because it was like a, a memory and it was a, an incredible coincidence that uh, that this was where my work was was yeah. coming
4: from. And <laughs> Surtout en Algérie, je connais pas la situation dans les autres pays africains. J'ai, j'ai, j'ai visité Dakar, Casablanca. Enfin, je sais qu'on euh, retrouve maintenant ce genre de construction, mais euh, mais c'est de la production massive, et on se demande euh, qu'est-ce que vont devenir ces, ces, ces îlots, qu'est-ce que vont devenir ces nouvelles cités où les gens se perdent. Les gens, moi, je, j'ai, j'ai, eu, j'ai fait des, des, j'ai été voir dans ces lieux. Il y a des des personnes âgées qui ne retrouvent plus l'immeuble où ils habitent parce que ça se ressemble. Et comme comme c'est fait, il n'y a pas de numéro, il n'y a pas de... Donc, euh, je me demande que va devenir devenir ce genre d'architecture qui sont en train de se construire. Euh, Je ne suis pas contre euh, donner des maisons aux gens, je suis suis d'accord, mais il faut faut régulariser tout ça, il faut créer des systèmes de régularisation pouvoir gérer ça au mieux et je pense que il y a un potentiel d'architecte qui, qui pense beaucoup nous en tant qu'artistes on ne fait que éveiller on ouvre les yeux peut-être sur certains aspects et mm-hmm. euh, voilà. um.
5: We, we, st- we find these types of um, mass constructions in Algeria, certainly, and I don't know whether it's true in other countries in Africa as well, but um, I wonder what this kind of uh, city, this kind of development becomes. People can't go back there and then they can't find where they were born, they can't find the numbers of the houses. Um, I'm not against this sort of development, it's a, mass, a sort of mass production development, but perhaps it needs to be regulated better and managed better. Uh, the are Arch- the um there's potential there for architects to think about this <coughs> the artist of course can only open one's eyes to this sort of thing
1: is you Rashid, you said that this sort of way of opening your eyes or looking is is not always the entire practice of architecture or or being on the continent um but can these Ways of thinking and ways of practice be taught? Do they need to be taught?
3: Um, I mean, I think uh, just to go back to the point that we were talking about earlier, I know, realized that, uh, and I think Kundli probably agrees is that I just simply can't, it's just hopeless to just use the same kind of a, approach of kind of architect client a client to sort of engage and try to kind of produce work uh, in the continent. So, uh, uh, because, and I think the only way that I can have any meaningful impact is to discuss um, and to to disseminate uh, sort of of a design culture. And design culture, that's also very linked, very much linked to, to the history, to the very particular distinctive social, spatial characteristics of these spaces because I really have an issue with this phenomena of the homogenization uh, of the world and of, uh, and of cities. Uh, and these cities are transforming at an incredible sort of rate. I mean, even in the Horn of Africa, um, I mean, I don't know anybody's been to Addis Ababa recently, it used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago, a, a city where, uh, full of kind of urban agriculture, if you like. Out of necessity, people sort of grew and made things. and now. There's a sort of an obsession uh, with with kind of curtain walling systems, you know, with glass <laughs> uh, 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 buildings. So, you know, kind of observation and kind of highlighting these layers and layers of history, and, and discussing these in a, in kind of in a very public way through you know educational sort of tools uh, is, is is really useful. And you know, if if something comes of that in terms of. Uh, engaging in kind of making public buildings, civic spaces. Uh, that's, you know, in that case, then it's, it's, it's great. But I think also what I find really striking about Idris's uh, kind of paintings is that mm-hmm. some of the structures, some of these huge skeletal structures, formerly kind of public buildings that were built, uh, you know, in Mogadishu, but also in many other parts of Africa. And in Mogadishu, they're in a very specific condition, which has a resonance to, to Idris's drawings um, or paintings rather. Um, but I think this idea of, I mean, I collected you know, lots of black and white images of these buildings and I remember some of them and thinking, wow, I wonder what they like now and, and going there. But the amazing thing is that they still have this incredible kind of presence within the city and they're symbols of kind of navigation, people use them to move around the city. And at some points, they are in really amazing kind of places. They have this acropolis-like presence within the, uh, within the city.
1: So who else uh, do you think can come into the conversation? I mean, uh, these practices are very disparate. Um, uh, a historian and an architect don't often sit down and work together, um, but we also saw Rem Koolhaas come to Lagos in 2001 and take photos and try to describe the urban planning. So I mean, is the architect being asked to do all of this work or is, is there a role for collaboration? I think
3: I um, just touched on this a little bit. <laughs> uh, as an architect, I think you can have all the ideas in the world, but it's really difficult to uh, to make any meaningful to have any meaningful impact without uh, engaging with policymakers. Really, I mean, you really cannot uh, do anything. So, some kind of engagement with policymakers uh, and also academics and practitioners uh, is really important approach.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the um, the goal is really about um, shaping the built environment and um, uh, and affecting people's lives, right? And so, to that end, I don't think it's about architecture and architects as the only agents of, of that change. Uh, I think Driss's work, for instance, is a, is a representation that captures um, the environment and influences the way you think and. I, I, I see the, he, he's, he makes a lot of references with, uh, of Corbusier, and uh, what I find, I'm, I'm only familiar with, I've only become familiar with his work now, but uh, what I find interesting is the, um, the, at least the images that I've seen, the grid is a prominent feature, uh, whether it's on the facades of the buildings or what frames, uh, the view or even the very delicate fence and and I think the grid as an ordering tool is an interesting device because it both provides limits and um, order but also creates freedom um, and I think when he discussed when he talks about uh, the city and the chaos or the sort of um, um, the fact that a lot of people are just building. Uh, it seems that there's cha- it's chaotic, but what I think is interesting is that, with that within that chaos there's order. Um, and that's what is interesting about the African city. The order and chaos. Um, and I think perhaps that's also one of the things that Rem in his initial studies um, uh, kind of discovered. So we're still, in a way, in the same trajectory, whether it's through the arts, or through architecture, or through um, policy makers. There's always uh, chaos, but there's order in that chaos in the African context.
1: Mm. I'll ask one more question before opening this up to to the audience. Sadly, I think everyone could talk a lot more about this, um, and we're running out of time. Um, but just you, you've been to Dakar, you've seen North Africa, and this, this grid is still popping up in new cities and new developments. Dakar is building a new city outside of town. Lagos is talking about uh, always moving neighborhoods. Mogadishu may make a comeback in the near future, we hope. Uh, What do you think would be the interpretation of your work by some of these city planners and urbanists? And, and what would you say to them as they're looking at rebuilding these cities? <laughs> uh,
5: as,
4: as these urbanists
1: and city planners are reshaping parts of, of the African city, what observations would you
0: give them, would
1: you tell them, would you want them to keep in mind?
4: Je leur demanderai tout simplement de voir les projets de nos collègues, (rire) de voir mes peintures et d'autres peintures qui qui portent justement sur sur l'éveil, qui euh, euh, qui puissent euh, donner euh, une inspiration euh, positive et surtout, euh, comme disait notre cher ami, de créer un ordre qui puisse euh, nous donner des structures de pouvoir arriver à, à, à sensibiliser tout le monde aussi sur cette question d'urbanisme. Euh, et puis, il faut, il, faut, il faut aussi surtout parler de l'histoire. Euh, de l'architecture moderne actuellement, euh, architecture moderne, post-moderne, telle qu'elle a été conçue par le Corpusier et autres, ce, est basée sur le, l'architecture africaine, sur les, les villages d'Ogon, sur le, les villages du sud de l'Algérie, où ils ont séjourné parfois. Donc il faudrait qu'il y ait effectivement un discours, une communication, un discours, et dire la vérité tout simplement sur les influences qu'apportait la, l'Afrique sur l'architecture moderne. Et voilà, Moi, j'ai une, une démarche un peu très particulière qui, est, qui n'est pas spécialement celle d'un architecte ni d'un urbaniste, mais euh, je pense que je, je suis un petit peu à la proximité de, de ce chemin.
5: I would simply say, look at the, my colleagues' projects, and also look at my paintings, um, and uh, that, that this could perhaps inspire a more positive view. Especially, they should try to create order, and lead to some st- lead to structures which will make people more aware of the issues of urban planning. Um, we must look also at the history of modern and postmodern architecture, such as done by Le Corbusier. He was influenced by Algeria. And we must also tell the truth and um, see the influence of Africa and African architecture on the world. Uh, Specifically, uh, not specially, sorry, uh, urban architecture, (coughs) but um, generally. And um, I think that I am quite uh, close to this myself. I'm not really an architect or an urban planner, but I'm nearly there. (coughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. I'd like to open this up. Uh, Chloe, do you want to start? Yes.
6: Can we use this microphone? Oh, thank you so much. I didn't get everything, but I get something that I think I would like uh, Rashid and uh, Kunle to get back to. Something that you, you hear very often uh, living in African metropolises is, is uh, when you get visitors coming from mostly western europe and uh, america telling you how chaotic your city is and uh, and you were referring earlier to uh, the idea of uh, of order in chaos and this is something that have been sort of struggling with to sort of combine or to bring together in a in a in a in a in an understandable way for me or to break down for myself and I wonder and I've always wonder if we are not more talking about systems and knowledge of the systems as opposed to the dichotomy of the opposition of order and chaos because I I have the feeling or the the experience as an urban person that it is really much more about systems and the knowledge of that system because as soon as you have the knowledge of the system, everything becomes very orderly. Yeah, I, I
2: yeah? agree more. Yeah, that's, that's a very very good observation. I mean, it's definitely, I think the dichotomy is, uh, is a result of uh, a lack of knowledge of, of the system. And um, that dichotomy is what gives you an impression of chaos, even though within that it's actually there's a very rigid, there's a very clear way it works. There's there's an order, there's a system, there's a process. And if you're if you're familiar, if you know, if you have that knowledge of the system, you would understand how to actually operate within what seems very chaotic. So I think. Yeah, terminologies, but I, I I see your point about it's more about the process and the uh, as as opposed to the conditions, okay. you know, knowledge acquisition and systems is more about the process of acquiring and understanding as opposed to just what you observe, which is chaos or order.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think you know my research and. In the Horn of Africa, but also I've looked at cities um, and written about Medellin and Istanbul, which are kind of you know similar scale to, to to Lagos, and it's very much really about understanding how this distinctive local system works, and they vary radically from place to place. But I think uh, I think we all kind of have a certain level of understanding that a comprehensive uh, system is not going to work for these places because they are very incredibly sort of. Diverse, but I think it's very much about having a level of understanding whereby actually you could sort of design the rug You know for the picnic, you know to to kind of take uh, place for it to kind of work well rather than just trying to obliterate everything that's there through uh, you know comprehensive uh, planning uh, strategies
1: There's a phrase that I hate which is the informal sector and especially after Ram came back from Lagos with photos of trade traders and markets and uh, the Danfo bus system, suddenly people were coming to Johannesburg saying where's the informal sector and the car, where's the informal sector. The informal, informal se- sector <laughs> is
6: so organized. It's, it's anything so but informal.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um,
7: Hi. Sorry, you may have touched upon this, but I'm curious to know what um, certain architecture and design firms in the West and maybe even Asia have um, have taken or can take from architecture and design styles from Mogadishu and separately from Lagos. And if you think that's whether it's a certain form of aesthetics or use of materials, and whether you think that's being um, that's occurring today.
3: Uh. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, how do you define what your? I think it's not so easy to define. I don't think I'm that dogmatic, at least anyway. So I, it's very hard to say this is my kind of architectural style or language. But I mean, clearly, uh, the language that's shown in some of these uh, our proposals, at least, it's it's kind of contemporary architectural uh, language. But there is also this kind of a there is this problem of kind of seeing africa as a place where there's no kind of modernist experience in terms of uh, modernist architectural language i mean mogadishu you can go way back into the 1920s and you'll see uh, art deco buildings that were not even built uh, in the uk so there is that kind of a uh, history but i think for me it's not so much you know the aesthetic itself but really about how the organization of the spaces relates and kind of respond, A, to the context, the larger kind of an urban context, but also of the needs, and also the needs of that very specific kind of a culture. So on an image value, it might look like, well, this dude from London is just doing uh, in, in, in Dhaka or Mogadishu or whatever, what he was doing in London. But I think at least in the way that we work, that's really uh, not the case and the research you know of some of those city spaces are very much informing when the work that we do when we work within that uh, within our context i think that's really uh, really important uh, because also you've got this kind of phenomena in you know in lots of different places by the way i'm just going to go on a trajectory there was a discussion about this there was a big fight about a bar being demolished in late yeah. Le- which i thought was amazing there's a discussion about heritage preservation <laughs> and uh, and so on, but also, you know, there's lots of other influences coming in. It's not just the architects that are trained here doing things there. I mean, there's this kind of Dubaiization of, of different parts of the continent where these kind of things that look like wedding cakes are being built. You know, <laughs> have nothing to do with with the local <coughs> context and, and culture and environment. Isn't that
1: almost the story that most of the developments in these cities is being done by? firms from abroad certainly Mogadishu is the airport is Turkish the the hotels yeah. are <laughs> multinational uh, how do we get more local firms back into these into these projects
2: well, I mean like you know, I think um, it's it's a two fo- it's the, the problem or the challenge is uh, twofold is on one hand that um, there's not enough appreciation of the local talents, and um, and that the local talent has also not been developed enough to actually <laughs> provide the services um, that are required to do these complex, uh, high, uh, large-scale projects. So um, I I don't think it's I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with having uh, foreign firms or you know people from different parts of the world working in any kind of context, uh, whether it's in Africa or Asia, you know, we've, we've done projects all over the world and, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say because I'm Nigerian or because the firm is, you know, I think the most important thing is how, is is if you actually are committed to understanding the culture, understanding the people, understanding their needs and responding to the environment, responding to the uh, challenges and the opportunities that they have, and working with them, and hopefully building local capacity while you're doing it. Um, so, I, uh, and if you actually do that genuinely, you won't produce uh, the Dubai cakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll probably produce some, you know, version of. Uh, <laughs> Foo foo, <laughs> <laughs> that is, that people would appreciate. Um, I, I don't know, but whatever it is, I think um, the the real question is if there's, uh, you know, there's actual authenticity in the process. Um, and if you are actually committed to not responding to what you think uh, is the. <coughs> answer but actually asking the questions and getting it right from the people that need uh, the solution
3: I think there's a little bit of a parallel there with art I mean I always kind of my friends kind of uh, art practitioners creators and so we always have this discussion about um, different ways of engaging uh, with a continent and of course as an educator I always talk about kind of education and and um, I mean, maybe it's a little bit easier to create work and to show work, but also how do you get involved in the process of uh, talking about sort of contemporary art, architectural kind of uh, uh, teaching practices, theories and, and, and so on. It'd be interesting to actually hear what it uh, kind of thoughts about in terms of engaging with the,
8: with
3: the content.
4: Je pense que l'éducation c'est un élément essentiel dans ce processus. Moi, je me rappelle quand j'ai quitté l'Algérie, j'avais 25 ans, et quand je suis arrivé en Allemagne, 'Allemagne l'Allemagne m'a rien appris. L'Allemagne m'a appris à m'ordonner. J'ai appris à, à mettre des structures à tout ce que j'ai appris en Algérie, à tout ce que j'ai vu et j'ai vécu en Algérie. Voilà, donc il y a un potentiel énorme dans nos pays africains, mais il faut savoir les gérer, savoir les structurer, il faut savoir les les, les transmettre aux enfants et même aux adultes pour pouvoir créer un ordre et pouvoir avancer. Voilà, je pense que l'éducation au premier plan et euh, la communication, l'échange Les éléments essentiels. Euh, les tentatives sont, sont, sont faites souvent, même euh, s'il y a des, des choses qui ne fonctionnent pas parce qu'il euh, faut toujours un ordre. Donc euh, je dirais que les, les, les plus grandes initiatives dont j'entends parler actuellement, elles se trouvent pas en, en Allemagne ni en, ni en Europe, elles se trouvent en Afrique et certains pays d'Asie. Et il faut les encourager il faut les, les prendre en charge les suivre. Donc euh, voilà, et dans le domaine de l'art, je dirais que les manifestations telles que la la Biennale de Dakar, qui qui m'a, moi personnellement, qui m'a fasciné par cette organisation, par la force et l'énergie qu'elle a dégagée, et et que ce genre d'événements se se répète euh, beaucoup plus, peut-être pas à à des grandes échelles, mais à des petites échelles aussi, Voilà, et communique pas en passé,
5: I think, of course, that education is essential, and that there must be education in the process. I remember when I left Algeria, I was 25 years old. When I came to Germany, I really, I learned nothing. I learned to be ordered. Um, so there's a lot of potential in Africa. Um, we can change um, the ideas of, of children and of adults to be to advance, to progress, and to create more order. And so it's important to have communication, to have exchanges. Education, of course, is essential. Um, it's often been tried, and sometimes it doesn't always work, um, but you need to have an order in this process. Um, um, There are initiatives, of course, um, not just in Germany, but in Africa and Asia and around the world, and these must be encouraged. Um, Dakar fascinated me by its um, uh, energy, its organisation, and its uh, strength, and there needs to be more of this kind of thing. Maybe not always on a large scale, it could also be on a small scale.
2: If I may just respond to uh, uh, some of that. I think... um, You know, uh, the notion of trying to create order, I'm I'm not quite sure I'm I'm in line with that. Um, uh, I think I have to agree with Koyo's point about it's it's really about understanding and building knowledge um, uh, to understand the systems. I think every system already has order or chaos. You know, it's really about. it's, it's um, what, what is called chaotic in the African context is simply a condition that uh, lacks knowledge and uh, understanding of the system. And if you truly invest yourself in trying to understand it, then you would actually harness the real values, the real cultures of the, of the, uh, of, of the continent and, and not try to uh, change it into something that is different. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, I think we're, we're fine, we just need to understand ourselves better. <laughs> you, you used the A word in your last
1: answer, authenticity. Yeah. And that in African art has a very different meaning, I think, from what you described as the ability for architects from or designers from around the world to come and do something that's authentic. And that goes back, of course, to being multidisciplinary or, anti- or anti-disciplinarity and taking in all of these different uh, inputs and research and awareness. Um, is there a way to teach that?
2: <laughs> mm. well that's, uh, yeah. I don't know, I haven't really figured it out yet. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure there are ways of at least understanding it, right? Um, maybe, uh, I think that's the first step, really just getting, you know, understanding the, the, I'd say the vectors that affect this,
3: yeah. I think the other thing is like, it's one thing we overlook is that it's also Im- it's important to kind of learn from each other, you know, across the continent. I mean, I, I know that Africa is kind of, of course it's vast and, and it's it's very difficult it's not so easy to move around you know but I, I think this project the radio architecture project one of the things that we're doing is is kind of inviting people from across the continent to talk about and to discuss these issues we we're inviting people from uganda from you know from ghana from ethiopia and so on so uh, you know that knowledge kind of exchange and interaction also within the continent is uh, as important, if not more important, than you know, ideas from kind of elsewhere and discussions with people elsewhere.
1: <laughs> I hate to do this. Can we take two yeah.
7: questions? Um, I have a question for the panel, but um, maybe more specifically for Kunle. Um, I read somewhere um, where you mentioned that you like to find solutions in everyday life. So, in the context of some of the themes we've explored about modernization and the mega cities that are building um, or being built in Africa, how do you um, incorporate, I suppose, that more authentic, traditional kind of design? I'm Zimbabwean, and in villages we have mud huts with thatched roofs, and that's um, typically authentic, right? But I don't at all envision having mud huts to. Um, start to use that as a solution for the housing problems in Harare which is the capital city and is by by some by some measure a mega city in its own right so how how do you explore those themes in a practical way in in the developing cities
2: yes it's a very good question I, and i think it's a question that we're uh, really battling with yeah, as as architects um, of this generation trying to cope with the challenges of Urbanization um, and, and authenticity in that in that sense, uh, and the the problem, of course, is that um, we had all of these let's say traditional uh, skills and traditional methods of building and construction, and somewhere in our development we dropped them off and picked up things that were perhaps. Uh, more convenient or materials that were, uh, n- you know, imported uh, and that became more, you know, easier to to, to use. Uh, and what we're seeing now in architecture is that a lot of people are going back and trying to understand these traditional systems. And uh, the question is, how do you quickly ramp them up to a scale of industrialization? How do you How do you make a mud? Create a mud building that can be used, uh, that can be produced very quickly, and can be used to to build, let's say, an airport. You know, Uh, so it's it's a question of relearning and sort of moving back, stepping back, and trying to um, uh, re, you know, just improve our own uh, local technologies. I think we cannot make that jump. You know, we're trying to get somewhere, but we have. Taken, we've taken the wrong turn somewhere. Uh, we're, we're trying to get ahead, but we've taken the wrong turn. So there needs to be some rethinking and reevaluation, and that's not unusual, even in, let's say, the developed world, where um, you, you you go back into history and you, ideas are always reinvented anyway, right? So I think we just need to take our find our own solutions, our own local solutions, and. Uh, and take ownership of them, and uh, work hard to improve them, and
3: if you fail, just do it again. Can, can I just add to that? I think you used an analogy of the mud hut. Uh, I think within that mod hut, I'm sure there's many different things going on. There are many different elements, there are many different uh, details, materials, and so on. So, I mean, of course, I'm sure you know it, but it's not necessarily taking it as a kind of form. Value but it's actually just about picking up the things that are really interesting and kind of developing them as an idea And you know what you do with that becomes it can be many different things But but again, it's it's a local skill. You know, I think that's a critical thing in terms of looking at what's existing already
1: One more maybe two if we have time
9: Uh, I wanted to start by saying thank you for being here on the panel today. And thank you also, 154, for putting this on. Um, I'm Rachel. I'm a founding member of CASA, platform which is kind of open for people focused on or wanting to join in a dialogue or discourse about African architecture and urbanism based in London. Um, I'd like to maybe start by saying I don't fully agree. I don't know. Sorry, the moderator, your your name? Aaron, sorry. Uh, I don't fully agree with. Describing the work that was shown today with uh, examples that were using like anti-disciplinary or non-architecture, I think just looking at even here in the West, architecture such as Carl Turner, who is the developer, the man, the manager, the um, yeah just an example of how an architect's role is really changing, just from the kind of idea of the discipline of like the master who designs the lines and has to build. And I wanted maybe to put the panel with a question that I see a lot of your work is kind of on both the continent and also outside. And even here, I think that there's been a looking at the emergence of the kind of pop up culture, the kind of informalizing of architecture to some degree. Um, maybe if you have some thoughts on other ways of architectural mm. or mm. spatial practices mm. that are happening on the continent mm. that mm. the rest mm. of the world mm. could maybe mm. also learn mm. and further develop. Um, que, 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 que yeah, peut well, peut I, I peut mean, I
2: think uh, if I just go straight to the point you're trying to make, um, and if uh, Aaron will not kill me for using the word, in word informal, <laughs> <J'espère> que, <laughs> it's, que, it's, it's the fact that there's, of the course, mozzarella. something um, mm-hmm. it's this notion mm-hmm. of uh, of a lack of order, that going back, to, I mean, on the African continent, that is now being that is now being exported as an idea to create uh, conditions within Western conditions societies that are informal, you mm-hmm. know, so informal. So suddenly. Informal Pop-up, and cool, uh, whereas in Africa, informel, you know, d'un d'un everything is coup. pop up anyway. <laughs> 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 um, but suddenly, you know. So, I think clearly there is something. There's. It's it's interesting to cross pollinate uh, cultures I understand. Qui, qui and understand. And like, uh, interesse uh, interesse like de, Driss like uh, uh, sort of alludes to that. There's a need to have some degree of order in that context. context. Um, that means things should be properly so arranged, there should be,
5: you know, there should roads, streets, streets, things should, you know, so there's there's potential for cross pollination if if I understand your
2: question a bit more. And it means that we can de learn, de learn from how things can happen naturally, informally, um, with very, I think the better word is slightly less, is, is about unregulated or less regulated conditions, uh, um, which rigue- in most part, in, régulé- in Western mm. societies mm. now, um, mm. the culture and the system and the policies uh, have um, become... Much more rigid and much more regulated. So now we're trying to fragment those conditions, uh,
4: and I think there there are some benefits to it. At the same time, on the African
2: continent, there are some benefits to creating or um, yeah, creating systems that are a bit more uh, organized. Does that
1: answer? Cet exemple.
9: Oh, curious apart from that example over from Germany from just terms, but other that maybe you've t- the terms continent africain
8: qui the kind
9: well, I, yeah, I, don't, I think we're
1: running out of time. It's, it's a good question. Yesterday we spoke about IBM and the research they're doing on traffic in Nairobi and how that's being exported to cities across the continent and across the world. And of course, the fact that these two guys are practicing from Europe, they're, they're the definition of, a, of an important export still contributing to the continent. Um, I think we're out of time.
5: <laughs> can we do? Can we do one last one last question? Okay.
1: Thank you, everyone, for the good good turnout and the good questions.
8: Hi, and um, I've just got a sort of question around um, urban planning and um, Driss's images of sort of periphery spaces and of fences, and sort of having worked. Um, And lived in west africa for a while i can sort of start to see some of those um spatial divisions that you see a lot in south africa coming into west africa and And a lot of these these periphery spaces um um, that are sort of forming around um this sort of divisive urban planning and the first question is um you know how do you engage in those periphery spaces and i know that the floating school is is a good example of that and also, um, what are the new typologies um, that so that are emerging in these periphery to spaces, to spaces to that um, are local and, and accesses global, accesses. but also cater to sort of aspirations local of local the people company. that you're building for? <laughs> Who wants? dress <Just, laughs> do you want to? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. uh, I, 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 I
1: can't try.
4: Euh, je vais essayer de, de répondre, mais je pense que je ne suis pas... Euh, euh, je, je pense que je, je pourrais dire que l'idée des de, de la, de la constructions collectives est une utopie qui a été tout simplement pervertie à l'heure actuelle par le, la, 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 les promotions, les... comment on appelle ça Les promotions, ceux qui font les promotions, la spéculation euh, immobilière. Mais l'idée de base, elle est, elle, est, elle, est, elle est très importante. C'est pour offrir un certain confort d'habitation à des populations très denses qui se multiplient très vite. Euh, et euh, actuellement, effectivement, on, on, voilà, ce, ce genre de, 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 de nouvelles villes dépasse un peu, euh, bah, bon, au-delà de. de de ce qui pourrait être humain, dans la mesure où déjà euh, ils sont construits sur des, des, des terrains euh, souvent agricoles ou des terrains qui n'ont pas été, qui ne sont pas vraiment euh, exploitables pour, pour, pour la, la construction, il n'y a, a, a aucune étude qui se fait, donc il y a toute une réglementation qui n'est pas respectée euh, par certains pays, parce que tout simplement on connaît des systèmes qui sont euh, qui sont pas euh, qui sont dans l'incapacité de, de créer euh, des lois, des, des contrôles adéquats pour arrêter ce genre de, d'extension euh, urbanistique qui, est, qui va devenir dans, dans 15 ans euh, un véritable fléau. Alors qu'il y a effectivement en Afrique des possibilités de construction euh, qui seraient euh, de l'ordre un peu... Enfin, du, du de, 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 de l'ordre dans, dans mon ami est contre. Quand, quand je parle de l'ordre, ça ne veut pas dire... Euh, sortir de, de nos cultures de notre identité de notre façon de penser mais bien au contraire de, de, de gérer ce qui existe mais à bon escient et de voir qu'est ce qu'on peut on peut faire d'humain de, de au en fait surtout d'humain et d'authentique et qui correspondrait à notre manière de vivre. Mm. mais effectivement aujourd'hui quand on voit des, des, des,
5: des I'll try to answer the question um, the idea of collective construction is a, a utopia which has been somewhat perverted by, by property speculation. And the, the basic idea is very important, it's to offer comfort to a very dense population. And nowadays, this type of new city is really no longer really humane or human. It's been built, uh, there, there's building been done on agricultural land, on a land which is not supposed to be built on at all. Um, there's no regu- uh, regulations are often not respected by many countries, bec- and the systems can't create the ade- adequate laws in order to stop this type of expansion. And this could become a real, um, a, a real pl- plague, um, a real flu. Um, pl- a real plague um, in, 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 in the years to come. So in Africa, yes, it's possible to have order, although I know my colleague, you don't really like the word order. Um, but when I talk about order, I mean, um, I don't mean uh, forgetting about our identity, but rather managing better what's there and making it more human.
4: It's true that construction is becoming global, j'ai vu au Maroc euh, des cités immobilières construites par des, des, des entreprises qatariennes, du Qatar. Donc, euh, la question qui se pose, est-ce que ces gens-là, vont vraiment, est-ce que c'est, euh, ces entreprises sont là pour aider la population à vivre d'une façon adéquate ou est-ce qu'ils sont là pour se faire du, de, de l'argent, tout simplement Donc, euh, voilà, la question est plutôt de l'ordre politique. Euh, moi, je, je, je me... Euh, quand je... Quand je travaille sur une peinture, il y a aussi cette, euh, c'est des traces, c'est des, 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 des vibrations de, de pinceaux, de couleurs, de formes. Et j'essaie de, de créer une, une chorégraphie de formes et de couleurs qui puisse donner une, 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 une composition qui serait euh, d'abord euh, dans la lecture euh, intéressante et dans le contenu, euh, comment dirais-je, euh, qui, me, qui, me, qui me conviendrait, qui me. Et je pense que, que, dans, le, que dans, dans l'urbanisme, c'est ce que devrait faire aussi uh, un État ou, ou, ou les architectes, c'est d'essayer de composer avec des éléments qui existent pour donner un, un espace uh, vivable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, of course,
2: um,
5: cons- construction. Yeah. Um, construction is, is going on all around the world. I, when I was in Morocco, I saw um, great big buildings that have really been built by land grabbers. So I wonder whether they're really been doing this to help the people or they're just doing it to make money. The question is political. Uh, when I do my painting, I use my brushes, my colours and my shapes and I try to make, create a kind of choreography to create a composition in this way. Which I, th- I find interesting, in which I, I like, and so I think that uh, urban planners and architects need to try to work with what is already there, what exists already there, to create spaces which are livable.
2: Yeah, um, I think the the, the notion of um, of trying to uh, organize, let's say, development in, uh, in the context of uh, rapidly urban urbanizing. Uh, um, city is is quite difficult and almost impossible. Um, we know that in many of these cities now, urban, develop, urban growth has actually exceeded urban development, so the policies and the governments cannot even catch up with their regulations to meet the demand of the growth. So, in a way, trying to build systems, trying to build, let's say, order within uh, to regulate this growth is has become an impossible task and a, a futile task. Um, I think for me it's not so much about trying to create order but perhaps a useful thing is creating structure within to allow the um, call it again chaos or the systems that we're unfamiliar with that we have no knowledge of uh, using Koyo's terminology, to exist. But there must be structure. There must be some... So I, in a way, I also <laughs> agree with him. It's not about creating, making everything regulated. itself. Uh, it's about creating a structure to allow the unregulated activities to exist. And that's why infrastructure is perhaps one of the most important things in city development. You have to create just infrastructure. Um, now, even the UN has... The UN Habitats, uh, one of their most important uh, works that they talk about these days, it's not about planning any longer. They have reduced the idea of planning to very simple issues of space, and uh, uh, op- open space and closed spaces. And all, all they're talking about is 50% of any land area should be left open, and the other 50% should be built. So anything that happens within that condition should be left to, um, yeah, to to nature in a way. So it's 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 really about reducing this issue to the bare essential of uh, addressing challenges of um, creating a system to allow uh, the let's say the um, un- unregulated uh, conditions to exist. Cool.
1: Thank you, everyone, we have to reconfigure things. Thank you very much to the panel. I I wanna thank all of you for coming from various places in the world. This was great,
0: and... Please do join us (laughs) with Aaron again in the next session, which will be at 5.15, so go have a leg stretch and a coffee and come back, and um, Aaron will be joined by Glenda Roche, Uh, project architect at Ajay Associates, so thank you very much.